ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I am your host, as always, Matt McLaughlin, here in person for the first time ever with Timmy Gorman. Timmy, the birds are back. The birds are flying. Won three of the last four. Great win uh, against, who was it again? If you can rem- remind me. The three wins? No, the last one. Oh, against that's, the Saints. Yeah, that's right, the Saints. And Malcolm Jenkins, bum ass. Of course. Um, and the top rushing defense in New Orleans Saints, and the Eagles just absolutely bulldozed over the Saints, uh, racking up 242 rushing yards, which has been a, a big key to the Eagles' success. For the so, second year in a row, might we add. Might might we add. Because we torched them in that number one rushing defense last year when they came here with that joke of a quarterback known as Taysom Hill. (laughs) And it was the Jalen Hurts coming out party, and everyone was like, oh, is this the beginning of of a new era? And once again, Jalen Hurts solidified himself as franchise quarterback, in my opinion. Three rushing touchdowns. And he just – who was that guy that he just, like, snapped his ankles? Like, he just ended him. That's actually – I'm not going to lie, though. That's probably the first person I've seen him shake. He does this. I feel like he does the same uh, jitterbug move every time where he plants his right foot. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. Jimmy, like jimmies his hips, like, from, like, le- right to left, like, twice. He pivots and, so hard, and, I get worried about yeah, his ACLs. So do I. And, but then, like, the, and then he does it. And the defenders just know what he's going to do now. Then multiple times yesterday, he did it, and uh, – Who's their big? Who's their number? Who's their uh, linebacker? Who's the, Jordan, Cameron Jordan. No, it's or, at the end. Uh, number five, Demario Davis. Yeah. Ah, crap! What's his name? Are you sure he's a linebacker? Yeah, or? he's a, he's an LSU dude, I think. Oh, it's is it? It's not. Is it Quan Alexander? Yeah, Quan Alexander. That's Quan, it, Quan Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. LSU, right? Yeah. Um, that he. Uh, he, he he! Both times he tried to do it to him, and Quan Alexander was just like standing there with arms wide open, like, "Yeah, no, I know yeah. what's coming." <laughs> he's he's like, "Nah, fuck that." He's like, "Get the fuck out of here." Um, so obviously this was a big stepping stone for Nick Sirianni as a play caller in general. Um, I think it was, was a Mark Schlereth that brought up uh, Sirianni's brother as a head coach. Did you did you listen to that part of the broadcast? No, they the Mark Slareth and whoever, what other other. Uh, it was like Adam Amin or something like well, that. They were they were like, I couldn't listen to anything they said after their fumbling of the rules when the, on the Jalen Hurts' second rushing touchdown when they're like, did he possess it long enough? <laughs> it wasn't a fucking catch, you moron. <laughs> All the ball has to do is cross the goal line. Like, how do you not know the basic rules of the NFL, especially when one of you is a former. Pro Bowl lineman on the two See, and, wing, back-to-back Super Bowl winning team, and the other one—I just—I don't get it. You get paid how much money, and you don't know the basic rules. See, but here's where I would argue is that like the refs have just complicated the rules so much that we have no idea. Like you have, if you're a receiver or a tight end in the NFL, you have to single-handedly like catch the ball with both hands and like curl hold up for, curl up week. into a ball. Yeah, exactly. You got to walk back to the sideline with sh- possession to make sure like it's a, a touchdown. You got to like it's a brand new baby. For like, real. But um, no, that I understand, but it literally was a rushing touchdown and they're like, "Oh, could that be a could that be a uh, a touchback?" Yeah, yeah I always hate those. And it's like, "Dude, he literally crossed the plane with the ball in his hands. Boom. Nose of ball, nose of the football." Hits the white line, touchdown. Yeah. That's it. Like dead, that, dead you play. Can't, you know, as long as he's possessing it, and he possessed it even past the goal line. Yeah. And it was just like I didn't. The fact that they had such a long review about I don't 
I, it's we just... could go on tangents for years yeah. about the reviews, but Sirianni is a play caller. Obviously, he's they've the Eagles have racked up almost 200 rushing yards in the last four games. Are you impressed by what you've seen from Sirianni now? I, I'm just like yes, but it also like it's still like like not to be like a typical Philly fan and you know douse the excitement, but it's just like. You know, when la- yesterday when they were going on the – like when they were, you know, just marching up and down the field and the defense was shutting down the Saints and, you know, it was run after run after run at like at one point it was like 13 straight runs or something. Yeah. You know, it's great, but uh, not to be the bitter old guy that yells at clouds. It's just <laughs> where the fuck was this in week two and three and four? Like, yeah. How many more – what would our record actually look like? Yeah. And I know we're not, like, the best team, and I'm not, I'm not saying, like, oh, my God, we'd be going to the Super Bowl if we just would have ran the ball the whole time. But it's still a little infuriating that it took a Miles Sanders injury to get the running game going when literally Miles Sanders was just sitting there unused and he was, like, jerking off Kenneth Gainwell like he was the second coming of Emmett Smith or something. And then the second Sanders gets hurt, it's like, oh, so Gainwell then, right? Nope, we're going to, you know, resuscitate uh, Jordan Jordan Howard, Howard. which, good. Like, he looked fresh. And Boston Scott is the change of pace back is nice. And I still like Gainwell. It's not against him, but it's like, we have a legit number one. Like, Miles Sanders could be one of the five best running backs in this league. And I get everyone's always constantly like, oh, the running back position's going. It's not the same. It doesn't matter. It's still mean. Like, if you still have a good one, it matter. that's what matters. Yeah. Like, just look at the Cleveland Browns. They have one of the best one-two tandems in, in the last 15 years in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. And when they're both healthy, look at what how much better their offense is. Yeah. So just even having one of those guys like Nick Chubb yesterday and the damage he did, granted it was the Lions, but like look at what we did in the Lions with two backups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly. then you have a guy with Miles Sanders' skill set, and it literally took six weeks, seven weeks. Something we're like not, that. We're five and six now. Yeah. So they started this, what, it's three of four. So. So back week, back to week seven, week set week seven or eight, basically yeah. or week six or seven. Yeah. Cause it goes, it was the, um, Miles Sanders injury would have been against the Raiders, which would have been week seven, I guess. Right. Yeah. Cause then it was beat the lions week eight, beat the loser, the Bron- chargers beat the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I just with Miles Sanders, I get nervous that he gets lost in the shuffle, and that could lead to like something bigger down the line where like he's not the go-to back in big situations. That's my biggest concern. And, and I agree with that. And also his mental, like, is like you know, what if he just checks out? Yeah. What if he's just like, well, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm supposed to be your number one. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just gonna go somewhere else, and then he goes to another team, and we we watch from afar. And typical Philly sports fan fashion, while he blossoms into an all-pro for another team. You know, yeah. the Bob effect is like, I, I like to call it, let's get rid of him or let's let him walk. And then, you know, he wins two Veznas with the fucking Blue oh Jackets. Yeah. I will say with Sanders, I'm not yeah. like, he's not, you know, Saquon Barkley's healthy. He, him and Christian McCaffrey and Kamara are still the top three in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But Miles Sanders was Saquon Barkley's understudy at Penn State. And he still still got carries with Saquon Barkley there, who, at least remind you, is probably one of the like scariest 
due to the face when fully healthy and mm-hmm. he has a competent O-line and quarterback and Saquon that that Saquon Barkley is. So this Miles Sanders had to be somebody if he's yeah. sharing you know what I mean? If he's getting carries with a guy who's getting compared to Barry Sanders, Sanders like right. th- this dude's a stud. And I think we are we're both in agreement where it's like we want to see Sanders get consistent workload. I think those two fumbles inside the 10, dangerous, but I think part of that is him working himself back into right. the system and ch- kind of getting back into the rim- rhythm of things. Now, that, is my, that was my worry is what I meant originally before the last tangent. I, want, I did want to say is <laughs> his ball security does worry me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he had both hands on the ball both times he got it ripped out, and it's just like I get it. I don't know what it's like to be in a mass huddle with th- like six other grown men that can yeah. bench press a car and they, <laughs> like turn you angry, into a basketball, like trying to just rip your limbs off. So I don't, un- you know, obviously you have to have some strength, but yeah. he, both those fumbles, he gave up way too easily holding the, the first one. He was holding the ball, like fucking shady McCoy. Yeah. And that's just any Eagles fan that gives you anxiety when the way he holds it out there, it's like, he's playing his own little game where he's like, and it's just come on man so that needs to be tied up but i just think that you know with how well we're rushing the ball Mm -hmm. why if we have somebody with the cal the caliber of miles sanders how much better could that offense be it's like we fully unleash him yeah it's like if we if we can get if we can get Sanders going, it uh, it unlocks a whole new level. Uh, exactly. In the past game, I mean, like, look back to the Steelers game last year. That was one of his better games and the Saints game. Yeah. And it's just like, remember that? It was like a 70-yard screen pass TD that he broke up against the yeah. Steelers? Like, that's the capability he has. Why don't we split him out wide? Why don't we run him on slants or, like, get him in some patterns? You can't tell me he doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. So I don't understand why we don't incorporate him like that. It's just – I, because that was one of his biggest concerns coming out of school, coming out of Penn State was like, is he a good enough uh, receiver to really come out of the backfield? And he improved on that compared to his freshman to his sophomore season. And a big part of that was, I think he just needs to get over that hump of like, I'm not just going to be a three down cowbell. Like I need to, yeah, I need to be versatile. And he worked on that. And there were videos, of course, you know, the Ben Simmons treatment coming out of spring training where he's working on the jugs machine, whatever it may be. I think a lot of it is just like, he's just got to work his way back into rhythm. And with Sirianni now figuring out a way, he's now got a scheme to figure out, okay, if I want to get the run game going, these are the type of plays I got to call. And I don't think he really had those in those Chargers games and those in in the Lions game, obviously. But <laughs> in that little bit of stretch there, those three to four weeks, he didn't really have those plays because he was still figuring out his personnel. That was just my opinion. Was like he's a coach that's still trying to figure out his system and figure out how his personnel meshes with his system. And now that he can go to a third down situation, Eagles were twelve for twenty one on third downs. Yeah, that's at one, at one point nuts. I feel like they were like seven of eight or something. Like yeah, they were while, they while were the, while the Saints marching. were like one of ten or something. It was crazy. Like, it was, and that was a big thing that made the Doug Peterson era so special was that especially in that Super Bowl year, third down efficiency. Mm-hmm. They were always converting on third downs, even if it was third and long. And that's something that the Eagles need. And now I think Sirianni, at least for this season knows, all right, if I'm in a third and five situation, let me just give the ball to Jordan Howard. Let him pound it up the middle for a little bit. If I want to go third and three, I have some options here with Hurts on options, or I can either take a slant with Devontae Smith or just kind of figure out how to work Sanders into that that backfield. 
um, situations. So overall, I'm pretty impressed with the Eagles. Um, defense, we step it up a little bit, especially having a 27 to seven lead and Darius Slay goes down and then the wheels fall apart. Yeah, I mean, but that that's one of those classic. Uh, you go into preventative coverage bullshits. Uh, the entire fourth quarter was garbage time. Right, basically, which I just you can never do in in the pros. Yeah, I don't think you can do it in college either because I've seen teams. You know, we've seen teams blow it then, but it's just yeah, I don't know. But I agree. I I think his play calling does got better, along with in game adjustments because they weren't running the ball up the middle of the start. They were trying to pick yeah. the corners. Yeah. And when they realized, like, hey, this isn't working, they were like, all right, well, let's try this. And then Jordan Howard ripped off, like, three or four straight, you know, absolute, like, gut punch, like, punch to the gut runs. Yeah. And it was just, like, he tore them for, like, I think the most, the minimal amount of he got was, like, seven. Yeah. You know, but he had, like, back-to-back, like, They, they were just yarders. churning out, like, five to seven yard per carry runs. But then... What worries me, as we were talking about earlier, is that he then he got to went back away from it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you finally made the in-game adjustment, but then you you yeah. like the second Jordan Howard went down, it's like, why not just give it to Miles Sanders at the middle? Yeah. You know. But also on top of that is that I think, like you said, his personnel. Okay, he's figured out that Devontae Smith is the clear-cut number one receiver. Yeah. He, you know, has kind of uh, scaled back to Jalen Reger. Uh, Love and that he's not just trying to force feed him. You want to talk is, about a guy that's on the move, Jalen? Yeah, Rager. I just don't. You know, like the the dude only succeeds if you get him in fucking bubble screens. Yeah, or like bombs, and even then, it's like what the fuck. I don't understand what's happened to Quez Watkins. I feel like that's kind of like the that that whole thing died. But I think he understands what he has in Quez. I don't think Quez is ever going to be a ninety catch. The thirteen hundred yard, like eight nine touchdown guy, yeah. like maybe a nine touchdown guy, but probably seven, six or seven of them are gonna come on bombs. Uh, yeah, you know. But I still think Quez is a great complimentary receiver. And then on top of it, he finally has realized, like, hey, you got Devontae Smith. We got to run the ball. But I have one of the better, if not probably what could be the best tight end in the game, if I want to use it that way. And you know, I, I Goddard is a beast. He's he, an animal. He is. He's an absolute animal. He has massive hands. He's so fucking strong. He runs crisp routes. He can block. You know that that's still probably the weakest part of his game. But he does everything well. And I would just like to see us put a package together for him, like the Chiefs have done for Travis Kelsey for the yeah. last six, seven years, where they just yeah. basically jerked him off for their offense. And like you know, it's a Travis Kelsey show. I know, and I just think, in my opinion, like with Kelsey on the downswing because he's getting a little bit older, he's that, leading the Chiefs in drops. Ex- yeah, he's like that blows games, my mind. There's been games where he's just non-existent. Yeah, it, it's so weird. Like you can tell it's getting there with them, and I just think that Goddard with everything, like you know, everyone always wants to talk about Gronkowski. It's like, well, I think Goddard is an even better version of Gronkowski, and the idea that. I think that he's a little bit more finesse. He has a little bit more finesse than Gronk. I'm not saying yeah. he, he, he's better now. I'm saying yeah, that yeah, yeah. if he got the same love that Gronk got and that Kelsey got, he's a little... he could be up there on that yeah. level. And I, I, you know, people can call me a homer or crazy, but I, I honestly believe it. He, from what he shows, he is an absolute beast. And there's no reason he can't be the best tight end in the league for numbers of years and 
average like somewhere between 70 to 80 catches if not more like 1100 to 1200 yards and mm-hmm. like 6 to 10 TDs. That's that's there's no reason he can't do that. He's got to cut back on the drops. Yeah. But I uh, I think it's all there and I think like you said the personnel that is what he's finally Sirianni has finally realized like I had this beast tight end, mm-hmm. I had this rookie wide receiver who is an absolute dynamo. I have a set, set of running backs and a line that can clear a hole. And if I, as long as I don't make my quarterback turn into, you know, the the second coming of like Randall Cunningham or something like I, or like he, you know, he he doesn't need to be Dan Marino or Peyton yeah. back there picking defenses apart. Yeah. As long as I, you know, dice it like, you know, serve, balance it out. Balance it out. Thank you. Yeah. It makes us so much more scary. And, that's that's good. Yeah. Because that is a recipe for success and I just hope we stick on top of that. I agree. Uh especially with the Goddard point, like I think Goddard is not going to be taking as many hits as Gronkowski did because he's not going to be in, involved in protections and he's not going to be running as aggressive routes over the middle as Gronkowski did. And with Goddard, the guy that's got you just got a four-year, $57 million extension. He's already looking like that money's paying off. Mm-hmm. $35 million guaranteed. I can't be upset about it because this is a guy, you know, for years, for the last couple of years, has been like, all right, when does Goddard break out? And he takes over for Zach Ertz. And I think, to be honest, like keeping Zach Ertz, at least for the first quarter of the season, kind of helped him out a little bit. Yeah. Because it kind of eased him into it. He wasn't necessarily the first number one. And then Ertz gets traded, and he knows that he's got to step up, and Hertz and him just have this connection that is fantastic. He's definitely – the good thing is Hertz has not one but two security blankets. Yes. So you can't just key in. Now, it's like, hey, if you want to – Devontae still needs to get a little bit more muscle. Like, I get it, the Slim Reaper. But yesterday was showcased perfectly as to why he needs to get some bulk on him when Lattimore basically tackled him to the, like, tossed him to the ground, held onto him, and then picked him up like he was a fucking baby. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> first of all, if I'm Devontae Smith, I'm not letting that go, like, softly. Like, yeah. Don't make me look like a bitch, first of yeah. all. Um, that said, though, I guess it's probably better that he restrained himself to do he didn't get kicked out. Cause we yeah, him. that, that would have been but, helpful. Um, so, you know, he's going to need a little bit more bulk to become like a bigger, like... Yeah, he's got to absorb that Right, that he'd be contact. able to absorb the contact and break some tackles, but it's just, it's nice to have two security blankets and of rapport he clearly has with Smith from the Alabama days. And it, like, as you said, he's developing a rapport with Goddard, like Wentz used to have with Ertz. Yeah. And you know, all the guys used to have with Selleck and, you know, yeah. going way back, continuing that yeah, tradition, you know, go, you know, all the way back to Chad Lewis, man. And oh my, Chad it, Lewis, you know, that it's good. And I just, you know, having a great tight end, is so undervalued in the NFL and I don't understand why when for the Patriots have been trying to like have been utilizing a great tight end mm-hmm. for like how many years I mean look at all the offenses that have been had been great offenses going all the way back to you know Kellen Winslow on the on the Eric Coriel Chargers yeah. with, with Dan Fouts you know all the great offenses throughout history and especially since the early 2000s they've had an absolute beast of a tight end that can be a game changer you know um i, I it's just you could I go think on it, the list so i i agree with your point that like tight end is severely underrated my counterpoint would be that i think teams kind of treat it as like running back 
or they don't have to they can get away with not investing as much into that position and that's where like they try and get away with you know finding the diamonds in the rough like the Gronkowski's and the right. Kelsey's of the world which is unfortunate but I'm glad the Eagles aren't in that position it's you know who it's almost like a catcher in baseball yeah it's like yeah. having a defensive catcher in baseball it's like all right this guy it's like Oh, CJ Uzma, like he can go and catch. Like there could be games where he can yeah. have three touchdowns and like seven catches. But you know, we're, we we don't necessarily. It's like the Dan Arnolds of the world. Yeah. But I did, which I I like you know. But it boggles my mind because it's it's proven. Like I'm saying, like you know, you go back, look at Peyton Manning. He had Dallas, he had Dallas Clark, and then he had mm. Julius Thomas. Yeah. You know, uh, and. Brady's early years, he had Daniel Graham, who people, you know, of this generation might not remember, but Daniel Graham was an absolute menace of a tight end. Going back to his days at Colorado, he was the best college tight end, he was the best tight end in college, to his early days with the Patriots, he was a beast. Um, you know, even in that first Super Bowl that they won, uh, I think it was Christian Fourier, maybe, even he oh was a solid God. tight end. Yeah. Um, so... And then, you know, you, you just keep moving on. Then it becomes the Gronk, and you know, I know it's taboo to say his name, but the Aaron Hernandez show, and they yeah. were both absolute beasts. And there's other people in those in that generation. And then the San Diego Chargers, no, they didn't win anything. Yeah. But uh, Antonio Gates was the beast. Look at the Chiefs for all the years. And Tony Gonzalez was a monster along with um, the, Falcons. the Falcons in his later years. Yeah. These are all teams that had – prime offenses whether they won a super bowl or not that helped them contend for years mm. and i just don't understand what these people don't say i, I still can't the falcons that's such a waste i think that they had they had roddy white julio jones and tony gonzalez all on one team a, a young roddy a young julio jones that in his prime roddy white mm. last two to three good years of of tony gonzalez mm. and matt ryan in his prime matt ryan in his prime and who was it Ma- michael was it turner Steven Jackson or Michael Turner? Michael Turner was their starter. I think they rotated in Steven really? Jackson I thought, I thought towards Turner the end. I thought Turner was at the end there. I thought, it was the, I thought it was the opposite where I thought Jackson was towards the end of his tenure in St. Louis, so then they picked him up. You can look that up. Um, and also, was while we're... the 2000... Was that like... 2012? Oh, I want to say it was like earlier than they that, lost, like 2010. They lost to the... They lost in 2010. Yeah. They were really good. And they, but then they lost to the 49ers in 2012. Yeah. 2012, 13 playoffs. Yeah, that's what that's a that's team when I'm they, thinking when Kaepernick's, of. Kaepernick's first year. Yeah. And speaking of Gronk, um, I feel like every college program's tight end calls him calls their tight end baby Gronk. Yeah. It's like so, there's been like that's a trope that. that's really getting yes. on my nerves. And I go to Penn State and I know like we love Pat Fryermuth and Mike Gasecki and we produce some very solid tight ends. But like we need to stop with the baby Gronk trend. I agree. <laughs> and I support a team that has a tight end that in my opinion is the best tight end in college. She's an absolute monster. Michael Merritt and her name and everyone yeah. there and they're, as much as I hate to admit it, they'll, they'll call him baby Gronk. And it's just like, yeah. And I agree. Fryer and Gizeki have the similarities. And so does mayor, yeah. but no one is ever going to like, like at this point we have like 19 baby Gronks. Like, I know. So stop, like, and, but that, that's, but that said though, like, it doesn't mean they're not good. They are. Yeah. I just, you know, it's they a don't trope. Need that, it's a yeah, cliche. They don't need that name, that nickname to be, to be good. It's just like Michael Mayer doesn't need to be called baby Gronk to be a mm. fucking animal. He is basically like Dallas Goddard for the Notre Dame. Yeah. He is Jack Cohn who sucks security <laughs> blanket. 
And yes, we still should be starting fucking Drew Pine. I don't care how many games in a row we goddamn won. Drew Pintar? Yeah, we should. This is another one. He's going to walk away just like, what's his name that's at BC that would have been a 10 times better quarterback than, than, than uh, Cone, you know, but whatever. I digress. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. That, that I agree. I think the Baby Gronk nickname uh, is definitely you want, way too overplayed. Speaking of Fryermuth, you want to talk some Stillers? Did you watch that Sunday night game? Uh, I did not because both my fantasy teams got bent over a table and gang raped <laughs> like my ex-girlfriend. Um, you know, so. I mean, with the Steelers, when it's I like. I that, uh, that doesn't mean I was part of that. <laughs> you were not part of the festivities. No, I was that, that's why we're exes. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's why. That's, That's why. why I have a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> girlfriend who is letting us take this in our new house upstairs with our six-month-old baby. Shout out, Barry. Um, Thank you. But I, I was going to – yeah, true. Your new best friend. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Kid loves me. It's awesome. Um, I just want to talk about the Steelers and, like, the fact that they got to change quarterbacks soon because – Big Ben is a shell of himself, and at this point, how did they go into this year thinking they could be successful? I don't, and they have. They thought, so much talent. They have so much talent. Clay it's nuts. Cole and Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson, and they and, still had Juju on a one-year and deal. Even Juju, when he's not doing TikToks, <laughs> and then you got Najee Harris. There's so much so good, talent, like so fucking. And then that receiving corpse, yeah, and, and the running backs, and and they still have Benny Snell too, don't they? Probably, yeah. So it's just. I like, haven't looked at the roster in a while. I don't understand why, after last year, you could think that playoff game alone should have been the death now. It should have been, but I think they were hanging their hat on that defense and really expecting that defense to step up and carry the way. Plus, I think they just fell in love with this like Big Ben uh, loyalty narrative, and that like they felt like they should have stayed loyal to him for all the years that he's been there, which. I understand to a certain extent, but at some point you got to find a new quarterback. And I think, like even when they had Dwayne Haskins last year, he deserves at least a shot because he's going to at least be give you a better chance of explosive plays than Mason Rudolph or a shell of himself, Big Ben. So I think at this point, like the Steelers really got to at least reevaluate their quarterback options going into this off season. No matter where their draft pick falls, they gotta look at quarterback. Maybe you bring home the prodigal son, Kenny Pickett. Maybe you can snatch him late rounds, but he's yeah, made... but at this point, isn't Kenny Pickett the same age as Ben Roethlisberger? Or is it, just feel like <laughs> it just feels that way. Seriously, just... how many years has that kid been in college? <laughs> he's been in college right now. Like Notre Dame hasn't played Pitt in two years, but they played him with Kenny Pickett as the quarterback like three times. I know it makes no sense, but also Kenny Pickett, if you want to come on the show, feel free. Um, yeah. So I think they got to figure out something in quarterback because otherwise Big Ben is just going to be a whole train wreck to end the season. Um, so that's quick, for our Steeler fans. Real quick on that uh, Falcons roster, you were correct. Uh -huh. Michael Michael Burner Turner. Uh -huh. Probably one of his last years because he only had 800 yards. Madden 12, he was my shit. Um, and their, their uh, change of pace back was Jaquiz Rogers, if you remember oh him. Oh, my Rogers, God. The Rogers brothers from Oregon State. Yeah, um, forgot about and him. And then, yeah, Gonzalez, or Roddy White was their – Was he Roddy their wide, wide out one? Yeah, this is one of his last years. 92 for one uh, for 1,351 and seven scores. Julio was 79 for 1,198 and 10 TDs. Uh, Tony Gonzalez was 
93 for 930 and 8. Um, Dang. And then Harry Douglas was that, like, fourth guy who, remember, he was... Harry Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. Oh. Louisville great Harry Douglas. Yeah. Um, you know, 300, almost 400 yards. And then Jaquiz Rogers even passed, uh, pitched in 400 yards on the air, too, to go along with his... Uh, his 362 on the ground. Jeez. It was a, that was a good... Uh, that was a good fucking that team, That was a man. good fucking team. It was... Let's... let's where is... Uh, what's... um? What was Matty Ice's... Yardage? That must have been one of his best uh, years. Almost 5K. Yeah, 4,719 4, and 32 touchdowns to 14 picks. Yep. It was definitely one of his better years. That's when they lost in the, uh, the NFC playoff... NFC Championship game to the uh, 49ers with Kaepernick. And I remember watching it at a bar uh, back home. And uh buddy, old buddy of mine, kid I used to be friends with, uh-huh. uh, is married to a, a woman who is uh, quite some older than us. Uh, <laughs> she, he is clearly her second husband. And uh, Seasoned. she would never, like, any time, like, football was on or whatever all she would ever say is oh matt ryan i used to babysit him and it's just like yeah oh, oh, oh. The, best, the best part is she, she she would never tell anyone how old she was but then she would say that she used to babysit matt ryan so it's like, oh, put, two and two, oh, put two and two together yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> so but uh julian matt ryan and noah's ark you old bitch <laughs> jeez <laughs> louise uh, and she is the definition of a karen oh <laughs> That gave me chills. Her parents named her appropriately. That's what, uh, like her uh, name is cor- actually Karen. I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. Um, all right, let's jump to some college basketball because you've been very eager to talk some college hoops. Uh, top 25 poll. This is like a couple weeks into the season. Gonzaga at number one, UCLA at number two. No change there. And we'll be talking about a rematch of that epic Final Four clash from last season uh, momentarily. Number three, Purdue. Uh, four is Kansas. Five is Duke to round out the top five. Six through ten, Baylor, the reigning champion. Seven, Villanova. Eight, Texas. Nine, Memphis, making a little bit of a jump with the Money Bates uh, and Jalen Duran. Uh, ten is Alabama, Kentucky at eleven. Houston at twelve. Arkansas at thirteen. Illinois at fourteen. Illinois just got smacked today as we're Apparently taping this. They blew. It was a, they blew a, a twelve point lead, twelve point plus lead for the second straight game. They're really missing Kofi Coburn. Um, no, he played tonight. Look, did I, he? It looked like it said he had stat line, or maybe it was just saying he was out. Yeah, maybe saying he was out because I thought it was the first four, and I thought this was the last game. Um, Tennessee at fifteen, St. Bonnie's at sixteen, uh, Arizona, BYU, and Auburn, and Michigan rank out the top twenty. Michigan taking a huge tumble. Uh, Seton Hall, UConn, Florida, USC, Hall? and Xavier round out the top 25. So let's just jump right into it. The biggest upset, Michigan, upset by Seton Hall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to me, a big Pirates fan, big fan of Seton Hall. Um, this upset was in Ann Arbor, which is huge for the Pirates. Uh, Timmy, you have the floor. Uh, I just think that, um, like, uh, the Seton Hall's coach, uh, Kevin Willard, is one of the most underrated coaches in okay. all of the NCAA. Uh, he, the, the program that he's put together 
there in uh or, or West Orange, right? Is that what it is? West Orange? Is Jersey? it? Uh, he, East but... Orange? East Orange. East Orange? West Something Orange? Like East Orange? Is there West Apple? Is there West Apple? Apparently, it's not a great. <laughs> but on it's not a great neighborhood. Apparently, um, regardless that he uh he has taken them to the tournament, I think every year or every year but one. It feels like it's been every year. Two thousand. 16, 2015 or 16, going back to the uh, Angel Delgado. Yeah. Um, you know, Angel Delgado, who else? Who else is there? Um, Desi uh, Rodriguez. Uh, You're pulling up some real throwback names. Whitehead. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a player he was. Um, Isaiah Whitehead, he was a stud. He should have stayed in college one more year. But that said, he just consistently knows how to recruit the, the type of players that he needs. He's a. As much as I hate him, and I think he's a total fucking scumbag, he's a Rick Pitino disciple. Rick Pitino is the scumbag, not Kevin Willard. We're not here for that conversation. I know, but I'm just saying. So he's so he knows how to build teams yeah. from players that necessarily weren't recruited highly, but he can turn them into stars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he and he he did it, he did it starting with Whitehead and then Angel Delgado and Desi Rodriguez, and um, you know, more famously with. Uh, the legend that is known as Miles Powell, um, and Sandro Mama's uh, Mama Kushkavili or whatever you say. I yeah, I don't know how the to big, say his the, name. The big Georgian is all. Yeah. The big Georgian, um, who you know got. Uh, I believe he got signed to the Bucks. He, all, yeah, I feel like I saw him recently get signed somewhere. He, I th- yeah, he was on the Bucks. That's where he was. Um, and he was, he was getting some minutes for the uh, defending champions there. Um, but he's just one of those old school coaches that knows how to build a program. Um, and he just continually takes these guys and he brings them in young and he, they're, they're not asked to burden a lot of the load because the stars do that. And he has these guys on his program, like Jared Rudin, who were, you know, part-time players while Miles Powell was the star. Yeah. And now it's Jared Rudin's show with the Bryce Aiken, the transfer from Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also got, uh, I believe another transfer from Florida state. He's got a guy from Syracuse that would, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty good. And, um, they look like, you know, and it's going to be another year where they're going to give Villanova and the rest of the, the top of the big East fits. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that they'll go anywhere and play anyone and they'll punt you in the mouth for 40 minutes, and, you know, that's that. How about the Big East? I mean, Seton Hall with the huge upset. Marquette takes down Illinois. The Big East won the majority of those matchups, didn't they? Yeah. Xavier I, beat uh, – well, that wasn't part of that, right? That was something else. But Xavier was, beat yeah. somebody, right? Xavier beat Ohio State. State okay. Ohio State looks pathetic. Like, outside what, of EJ. What, what was that? Some Big East-Big Ten matchup? <laughs> what, oh, it was the, like the, the Gavit. The, the Dave Gavit tip Yeah. For those at home who are not aware – Go educate yourselves and watch Requiem <laughs> for a Big East, one of the best 30 for 30s there is. It's but definitely Dave out there. Gavitt is you... the, was the founder of – the was basically the guy that created the original Big East back in the day so that you could be appreciative of talents like Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen and Ed Pinckney at Villanova. And, you know, through that – He created – he basically he essentially created the, the, Big the greatest, the greatest mm. college basketball conference that ever was until – Unfortunately, greedy fuckers in football got in the way and tore it apart in 2013. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but the Big East is making a comeback. Uh, Georgetown lost their opening game to Dartmouth. Oh, uh, was... fuck, they lost today. 
Georgetown did? Yeah, Seton Hall. Was oh, I was like, State. I was like, fuck. Um, but the Big East is slowly becoming. Yeah, Coburn was back. Oh, okay. We're watching highlights as we give you. This. Yeah, of course. While we entertain you folks in your cars. <laughs> of course. Um, we're learning this all as you are learning this, <laughs> and. Cincinnati with a huge statement went over Illinois. Illinois, I think, is just it's a streaking comet, unfortunately, in the sky. I don't think they're going to be able to recapture that magic from last season, especially with Coburn trying to make his way back in, and they have no Ao Dosomu uh, to run the show. What's his name? Caraba. Car- uh, Andre Corbello. Corbello. I do like uh, Corbello, but I hate him. I not, hate him. He's not Dosumu. I hate. Ah, we extend. Never mind. Sorry, I digress. Oh, why? Wait, why do you hate him? Because he just looks like one of those classic, like, over dribbling point guards that thinks he can take every single fucking shot. Oh, really? So I, did I you watch? Had... Did you watch that Illinois Marquette game? No, I, I was not privy. Oh, that, that oh. Same day as Seton Hall, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was um, busy watching the Pirates take down that those frauds in Michigan. <laughs> um. So Illinois had like I want to say like twenty five turnovers with about four to five minutes left in the second half. And then Car- Carabello, like himself, committed like three. And he time taking down, Illinois doesn't take a timeout with like 14 seconds to go. And instead, they just dribble through each other trying to take a shot. And it just ends up being a bad floater. And it was just poor offensive execution all around. I think Illinois has some serious, serious offensive adjustments that they have to make and they haven't made, which is why they lost to Cincinnati by 20. And they just—they're just not sharing the ball. The ball isn't popping the way it was last season, and it just looks like everyone's kind of like trying to get their shots in, and it creates this disjointed effect, which doesn't really make any sense. Um, Frazier is not the red hot shooter that we saw towards the end of last season. How did he, I thought he was a senior last year. How did he come back? COVID eligibility, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, and so. And they lost uh, Miller. Yeah. They said they lost Ayatasumo, then Miller transferred, and then Adam Miller, and then he tore his ACL, so he's not even getting the yeah. play for LSU. Was it LSU? I thought it was some. I thought it was like Auburn or another SEC school. It was all, it was, yeah, it was an SEC school. I don't remember exactly, but um. Um. So they lost, you know, and then they didn't have Kofi Coburn, and so obviously, um, so, what's his name isn't isn't Ayatasumo. Uh, Corbella, you know, what made him great last year was that he was like a plucky defensive defense first guard. Yeah. And, um, maybe, you know, he's going to have some, they're going to have some growing pains. Um, but I would assume, I mean, I knew he he was a big recruit, but he had, he had some growing pains himself. Um, but I still like Brad Underwood as a coach. I think he's a great coach. It's just like, it feels like that last year was the, the right window and the right opportunity to win that championship. And they couldn't fucking do it. And it's like it's yeah. like one of those moments where it's like, okay, we still have Coburn. Next year we'll be all right. And then next thing you know, it's like the magic's gone. And just no, it's definitely a down. Because like, like I think I, if if they make it year. to the like if they if they made it to like the Elite Eight or the Final Four last season, I think that um, Ayo Desomu stays as we're watching Seton Hall Ohio State highlights. Um, oh, that's cash! Mm. Wow. All right. Well, we're watching like the. 
the buzzer beater. Um, oh, that hurts. Yeah, that hurts. At least they didn't get. At least it was like, yeah, okay. It was competitive. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's if they always going to be a downfall compared to what they had yeah, last year. Yeah. But um, I still like Underwood as a coach. I, I love him. I think he's he's got. I think he's a program builder. He's won everywhere he's went from Stephen F. Austin to that yeah. one year in Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. He's learned from some of the greats in uh, Bob Huggins and uh, Frank Frank Martin. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say Frank Martin's one of the greats, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he's got a good he's, pedigree. He's got a, he's got a Final Four, you yeah. know, um, and a couple other trips to the tournament. But I I think that um, – I think it's more than safe to say he'll get a pass for this season after last year. I, I still think they'll be fine. It's, yeah. it's still early. Like, you know, it's better to trip up early and get your get your shit together late. Um I I I think they're fine. I think he's a good coach. I think his system will eventually win out. They'll have one or two other players step up and become key contributors, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, Kofi Coburn is still going to be a difference maker. Trent Frazier will get hot eventually. Corbello will hopefully you know figure out. He's got to mature. He's yeah, got to mature. He'll figure out whatever he has to do, and they'll be fine. I mean, I think they have another. I think they have a couple of decent recruits too. And you know the brand of basketball they play is, ha- is brings havoc. The more important thing here is that he's got Illinois back on the map. For mm-hmm. a lot, for a lot of kids your age, Illinois sucked for a long time. You don't understand that. Like when yeah. I was growing up, Illinois was good. They were always good. You know, yeah. they they Bill Self before he went to Kansas was Illinois coach. Um, before Bruce Weber was at Kansas State, he was a really he had a really good program in Illinois. And then he had some down years. He got fired, and they kind of were stuck in this wilderness where they sucked forever trying to get a new coach to build him back up. And they finally got the right one. It looks like in Brad Underwood, but you know they got a story story program uh, from like Kendall Gill, all the way to Brian Cook and um, D Williams and or Deron Williams and D Williams and. Uh, Luther Head and I, you know, they I have some players. Work. You just got to go digging for them. Like it's not going to be the Kentuckys of the world, right. the Dukes of the world. You got to go digging for those players a little bit. And with Illinois, like yeah, I think they can still bounce back, but they have some kinks to work out, like some major serious kinks that right. they're giving me concern. And the, and the Big Ten's a, is a good conference, so they'll get they'll get quality wins. Yeah, it's not. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, um, especially with Michigan. Now that it looks like that was a. That loss to Seton Hall, man, like, that already gives me, like, has my well, sirens yeah, going lost, off yeah, a little bit. That's another team that lost. You know, they lost Wagner. Yeah. Um, they lost uh, – who else did they lose besides Wagner? Um, I, they still have Dickerson, right? Or, yeah, but then they lose the guard. Oh. Um, it was injured all the time. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, – Michigan roster. But anyway – Sorry, this is what happens when uh, we're not prepared. You have a six-month-old son, and you don't get to follow sports as much as you used to, and you're a you fucking piece of shit. You're a sophomore in college. Who's you're supposed a, to be an analyst, giant, Timmy. He's got a giant workload on top of doing his other doing other things to help Wagner, his career. Wagner is listed as the only one. Oh, Isaiah Livers. Yes, that was him. Yeah, Livers didn't get drafted. Wow, I find that hard to believe. I think he was just more of one of those players that uh, he was big to Michigan, but he wasn't yeah. like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so let's look at the week ahead because Gonzaga, your your Zags, they got a big rematch against UCLA 
Illinois obviously they're lost. Getting to nice, they're getting a nice warm up right now with a 56-32 lead over the powerhouse Central, Central. Michigan Chippewas. Of course, classic, classic uh, blue blood. So this is going to be the date circled around a I lot of. Came in. Hey, yeah. Western or Central? Central. Central. No, he went to Central. Yeah. So this is going to be the big game circled on a lot of college basketball fans' schedules. Big rematch of the Final Four. Jalen Suggs' buzzer beater. Uh, I'm personally going to take UCLA in this one. So neutral site, right? Uh, I'm actually about to pull that up. Yeah, because it's in this it's in this Empire Classic. Right? Yeah. The fuck it is. Yeah. Uh, well, As of right now, ESPN's matchup predictor has Gonzaga winning 50.9%. Yeah, I still think the Zags will be fine. Uh Drew Timmy has just come back more motivated after that embarrassing, embarrassing loss. Uh, Chet Holmgren, I don't think we've seen his full potential yet. That is probably takes some time. It looks like he's kind of getting a little, getting a little bit going here in this game against you know some subpar competition. Um, they still have uh, what the hell's his name? The transfer from uh, uh. Florida. Uh, the guard. Jesus, why can't I not think tonight? Number three. Number three. There's no list of number three on the roster. Anymore. According to ESPN. He's right there. He's about to rebound or go for the foul. I don't know. I can't think of his name. Um, which is bad, but um, Abe Eagle? Andrew or um, Arlauskis? No. Hey, but so anyway, they got a couple more. Nebhart, thank you, Jesus Christ, Tim. My apologies. <laughs> we had to delete that those that minute of silence for my stupidity. Yeah. Uh, Nebhart is a very competent. I don't. I guard. couldn't read. The fact I couldn't read a number three is kind of terrifying. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> that's a little scary. Getting old. Of course. Um, you know, that, my that sight bright, isn't what it was. That bright old age of twenty. You know? uh, yeah. That's what uh, happens when you're when you're in the Instagram and Snapchat generation, right? Um, but he, uh, yeah, Nebhart is a really good lead guard. They got two, um, they got two nice, uh, they got two other freshmen, I believe, outside of outside of Holmgren that were big recruits. Yeah, this was really the first class where you saw like Mark Few and Gonzaga go after like freshmen. It felt like like possible one and dones, I should say. Yeah, I mean they they they've had some one and dones in the past that they, they didn't expect to be one and dones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that you know they got in there and and they the guys thought that like Austin die. Um, so I'm looking up freshman. Uh, ooh, nice play. And then they also they have another transfer who started his career at Penn State, ended up at Iowa State, and now he's here in receiver Bolton, who's helping bring some stability to that lineup. Yeah. And with Gonzaga, like it's it's smart money if you're betting this on this game and picking Gonzaga. That's smart money. I just believe with UCLA, they're going to be hungry to really avenge that loss. Johnny Juzang is still having a solid year. He's averaging 22 points almost on 46 and a half shooting. Can't really get much better than that. Jimmy Jaquez Jr. is just absolutely balling down low and just snatching up rebounds, seven and a half rebounds, which is more than Chet Holmgren. I just think with UCLA. Well, that, that, what about Drew Timmy? I'm not worried about Chet Holmgren. Drew Timmy. Oh, Drew Timmy's solid. Drew Timmy's still the best big man on the Gonzaga team. Oh yeah, no, he, I'm talking about UCLA. He absolutely destroyed Texas the other the other day. Bombs away. 
That was uh, Neb Hart right there. There you go. There you go. Um, I just think. Oh, no, sorry, I, that was Julian Strawweather, who's one of the other, or Strawder, who's one of the other freshmen, I believe. But like we talked about this, the championship night, how Gonzaga came out with no hunger. I feel like well, you. We, I just, I think we both agree that Baylor, and we said that all yeah. year last year. Yeah. They're the the one team that would yeah. give them fits. Yeah. As a Gonzaga fan, but also a guy who never minds Baylor. I like that team. I, you know, I think Scott Drew for how he came into that program it, and what yeah, he did. It, it could have been a lot that, worse. Oh, speaking of that. Uh, another, that's another a rabbit documentary hole. that you need to go watch it's uh on showtime it's about the you know the the oh big man the big man i love it <laughs> getting excited over here um keep it in your pants timmy God. yeah right um that's how i got a six month old hey <laughs> mazel tov and a, and a lifetime of expenses yeah right so they uh it's about the Baylor basketball scandal that happened that drew um was it Scott Drew Scott or Scott Drew had to inherit yeah um after their former coach and scumbag devoir that is uh Dave Bliss basically had a pretty good roster uh that he had on his team and uh, unfortunately, something was not right with a couple of the transfers he had brought in, and one guy wasn't really on the up and up. Yeah. Basically, a young man by the name of uh, Patrick Dennehy lost his life because he had the misfortune of being teammates with uh, somebody who just turned out to be an absolute scumbag, and it's never been solved. Um, while while the one guy, Carlton Dotson, is serving time for the murder, he's never technically confess to it but on top of not it, the most ideal situation right, it, it was a very bad look for baylor they'd never really been that good um and then the coach made it worse by basically coming out and just saying like well you know that's what happens when your son's a piece of shit and a drug dealer yeah which is just a fucking terrible thing to say about anybody when it's not true let alone this young man who's lost his life and his family's grieving and then he doubled down on this shit Say all these years later is by saying that, oh, well, because of Patrick Dennehy, I've been blackballed from the NCAA and, uh, you know, oh, off the record, you're not recording anymore. And the guy was like, yeah, no, yeah, it's turned off. He goes, well, yeah, he was a total piece of shit. His, his parents knew it. Yeah, yeah, he was dealing drugs to the whole campus, which is so goddamn false. It's not even funny. And this guy is just such a scumbag that he still, all these years later, is trying to defame a, a poor young man who lost his life because he ran a bad program, which may, to make it even worse is that of all the kids who transferred out that were on that team, the following year, Lawrence Roberts became SEC Player of the Year in Mississippi State. Kenny Taylor won uh, Oklahoma, or won uh, Big Twelve Player of the Year yeah. in Oklahoma State, and they also had one more guy go to Oklahoma State who was a main contributor. And together, they probably could have given Baylor a really good team. Uh, but unfortunately, in the end, they are always just going to be synonymous with the fact that one of their friends and teammates was killed because their douchebag coach was running a program where he was bringing in fucking convicts and, you know, gangbangers instead of doing his right job and protecting those kids' lives. Yeah, and it makes me appreciate guys like Coach K that actually do kind of care about the kids a little bit more. I'm not saying Coach K is a saint, but compared to this dirtbag. I mean, yeah, he definitely cares about it more than Dave Bliss, but 
And we uh, we you know what? we he probably does. He probably does yeah. care about him enough that you know. All we just hate when he back. whines about a whines uh, yeah, about. Yeah, I just can't stand about when he when he ever acts like Duke doesn't get the benefit of anything. Now, oh, not to mention, speaking of Coach K and problematic things, oh, how about his grandkid uh, taking the star player out for a nice evening stroll while shit faced? And uh, but Paulo Banchero was back on the bench the next day. But hey, he's teaching ethics. Yeah, I wonder how he's going to Duke, just like Kyrie Irving. It ain't because of what you know in the classroom, son. But that said, I yeah, it makes you appreciate. Guys like Coach K or Roy Williams or Scott Drew. Better example, that, better example, Coach Cal after that 30 for 30. Yes, agreed. Yes. Better example. I'm not a big fan of Kentucky. Um, Coach Cal, you know, he is what he is. But, oh, actually, this is funny now that you bring Coach Cal up. Uh, I had the person who runs SEC Basketball's Instagram basically try to, like, fucking stalk me and attack me on Twitter or on Instagram this weekend because I suggested that Coach Cal had misused the talent by only winning one championship in the in his era. This person, he... he Did he, you post something? And I, uh, I trolled him a little bit. Uh, uh, but I said I was like... He, at first, I was just saying it. Yeah, yeah. But he was one of these losers that takes it so to the heart that he's like, and they've never been upset in the tournament under Coach Cal. Like, UConn was the favorite and oh losing the arm. He, he said, you're fucking mentally deficient and you're a fucking moron. Stuff. That's what this guy said to me. I, I gave up reading his thread because it just he's just a fucking cum stain on his mama's bed. That, <laughs> you know, meant, means nothing to me. Pa, 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 pa. And uh, sorry for that aggressive language, but I have yeah. no time for losers who go on Instagram and Twitter to be social media bullies because that's how they make themselves feel better at life. Like, because they can't take the criticism of a comment they post it. Dude, if you're posting on social media, people are going to disagree with you. If you I put like, it, if you put it out there for people to be available, right. you got to take like, it. Like if someone listens to this podcast and comes back and tells me like, oh, we were actually fucking wrong about this because and provides me with sound facts like I did to this guy. I'd be like, yeah. you know what? You're right. But this guy, because he didn't want to admit that he was wrong. And it's also, basically his comment was, sorry, is, is that Coach K is the greatest. Kentucky's the greatest. And they have the highest winning percentage and this, this and that and all of that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, however, on the flip side, they've never been upset in any of their losses. and oh never done this. And it's like, dude, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah. It's one yeah. or the other. Either they're the greatest and he's the best, and they've suffered some bad losses. Or he, he said the loss to Wisconsin wasn't an upset because they were a 36-win team. <laughs> no. And then as he said the 2012 team was the greatest of all time. And oh, said, my God. I said, yeah. How is that loss to Vanderbilt in the SEC championship game tasting right now? Yeah, for and real. I was, like, cool. I was like, they got the title, but the great, to be the greatest, you should win everything you can that year. And they didn't because they lost. See, and this is where, like, we as fans got to just, like, take a chill pill a little right. bit. Like, like, going online and be like, you're fucking mentally deficient. Like, I'm like, all right, dude. All I, told you, all I tried to say was, I literally only said, all said to this loser, yeah, I, I, I agree with so-and-so. Coach, I think Coach K has... Not has underused his has underused the talent. Yeah. For all the number one recruiting classes and everything that's been there. They yeah. only have one title. I think there's times where he hasn't lived up to it. Not to mention they haven't been to a final four since two thousand fifteen, an Elite Eight since two thousand uh they made one in nineteen, but they've only been the two they've only been the th- How many titles does he have overall, dude? One. Didn't and, he win no, no, didn't he win one with Leitner? Nope. 
No, no, not Coach K. Coach Cal. My oh, bad. Coach Cal. Oh, My bad, yeah. Coach Cal. Yeah. Okay. Oh, never mind. Coach never mind. K's got five. I, I was gonna say. Wait. Okay. He's got five. He's got 91, 92, 01, 2010, and 2015. Okay, that makes sense. No, Coach Cal only has one, and that's what I, that's my whole point. And yeah. this guy was just like incensed that I would suggest that. Okay. And the fact that I said yeah, that yeah. was just like because he was like they've got the most this, this, and that. So my thing was like, well, actually, they don't have the most title game appearances. They're tied. Yeah. And they don't have the most titles and their winning percentage actually isn't the best. That would probably go to Villanova. Yeah. But he was like, he's like, that's still, he's like, he's like, that's still the most you fucking moron. And I'm just like, he's like, you got, do you fucking know what context is? You fucking stupid idiot. Oh my God. And I'm just like, no. uh, clearly you're not aware of what context <laughs> is. I said, no, Captain, Captain Context. <laughs> you said the most, not tied for the most. <laughs> so yeah, I just, it's like uh, the reason I bring it up is just like people like that. It's like, you're the reason the fucking social media sucks and that there's, you know, People just stay off it because there's, you know, it's not fun to post things when you have losers out there like that that just can't have a normal conversation. Yeah, they're just they're already just blinded by their own opinions. Right. So they're just yeah. like, yeah, there's, no, there's no there's no conversation with them unless the conversation revolves around their opinion being right. Exactly. Um, Friday. I don't know how I'm going to transition out of this, but uh, no, sorry. So let's yeah. get back to this. So Friday matchups this week outside of Gonzaga, UCLA. Matt's got UCLA. I got Gonzaga. Um, Memphis at Virginia Tech. I thought this would be kind of interesting just because Memphis going on the road in ACC uh, play. Maybe a little bit interesting. See how Moni Bates and Jalen Durant handle that type of atmosphere. It's going to be a lot, a big spotlight on Memphis this year with um, Penny Hardaway. Really got to prove himself as a coach. And Virginia and Tech should be a little bit better, right? I'm and expecting them to, Mike, yeah. Second or third year, Mike Young. Yeah, Virginia. I'm expecting them to be tough and competitive. Um, so I... I will say that I think Memphis will be. Um, so he sleeps. <laughs> uh, got a little babies. Um, I think Memphis is going to be really, really tested in this one, but I think they'll pull out the win. Yeah, I, Blacksburg's a hard. It's no matter what. Whether it's football, football or basketball, or basketball, baseball. I think even at times, uh, you go in there and it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough environment. Um, it's behind. You see it? Yeah, I see the, I see the extension. Uh, so you go in there. The fans, uh, I think that that's where they'll catch a break, actually, is that Memphis is going in there um, on Thanksgiving week where there might not be as many fans since, you know, they'll be at home or whatever. Then again, uh, there's probably a lot of Virginia Tech kids that live close enough that they'll get back in time for that game, um, especially the football team as a home game or something. Uh, that they can, you know, do a, the double dip. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's too much talent on Memphis right now. Mike Young's maybe a year or two away at this point. Um, yeah. To, uh, before they actually uh, really get going. Agreed. Um, Duke and Gonzaga on Friday, which I feel like is a really early top five matchup. Um, it could be very interesting. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Well, I mean, well, you, you mean outside of in a tournament. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, UCLA had Villanova too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so is this a at? That's a good question. Can, is this an at Duke or at Gonzaga, or is this the neutral site game? I wonder. That's a very good question. Oh, Sixers got the win. Oh, hey, there, look at that. We turned it off because <laughs> we didn't want to be yelling. And, 
Yeah, uh, that, you know, that was just It doesn't matter to me. I just, Gonzaga. Like, I just, you know. You're just all in on Gonzaga? I'm just going to say they're going to win every time until yeah. I see otherwise. So uh, this, is, I, yeah, this is going I to be played. I can see them losing, but I'm just, I'm just saying right now, until I yeah. see, see them play a really, really bad game or I see what their flaws are, you know, I'm not as up on them this yet this year as I was, la- you know, last year. I kind of dissected that team in and out because I've watched so many other games. Uh, but, you know, for now, I just still think they have the most talent. They were number one in the preseason for a reason. Mm-hmm. Duke and UCLA are going to get both give them games, but I think that Gonzaga prevails both times. Yeah, I'm going to be sold on Gonzaga, especially with up-in-the-air status about Bonchero and how the hell he – if he even finishes the season with Duke um, after getting, but by the way, what does aiding and abetting a DUI mean? Like he didn't, he, he didn't stop it. He was basically a bystander. Like, That's the way that I that, or it. that he like switched positions is all I could think of. Pause. Um, yeah, like that's just it's a weird charge. It's it's. I read that and I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then I flip on ESPN and he's on the floor. I was like, how the yeah. fuck? Oh, yeah. How did that happen? Because you know they don't. Yeah, you know, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's. I mean, hey. I'm going to ride with they're, Gonzaga they're, they're in this nine, one. They're 19 and 20-year-old kids. I'm not saying it's yeah. right, but it's like you can't cruci- – it's not like – When it's Duke, it's a different story. Right. Like, this isn't like Henry Ruggs who, you know – it, it, it Obviously, could could have led to that. Yeah. But, you know, and this is why it, it, it can have, such, you know, carriage to connotation, but they also weren't doing 140 in a fucking sports car. And Las tw- Vegas Strip. Lo- on a Las Vegas Strip with twice the legal limit in their blood when they had a perfectly sober person next to them and, you know, kill somebody. So, um... Yeah, just bringing the sunshine to your day. <laughs> um... Throw everything away because you, you you have all the money in the world and you can't hire a fucking limo driver. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't get it. Um, last little bit here. Uh, some predictions for the rest of college basketball season. Um, do you have a Final Four? And slash championship prediction for this season? Well, I think that right now the top five probably has a little bit of a separation from the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. However, that said, I don't think there's a clear favorite yet. I think people might think it might be Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, I, if I had to pick a clear favorite for the championship, it would be Gonzaga. And UCLA probably is up there as well. Yeah. Um, Duke, you know, same thing. Um, but... Um, I, I hope maybe the, I hope this is the year Gonzaga gets back there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could see, I can see UCLA, uh, now that it's like no longer uh, like taking people by surprise, I could see them losing like the second round, like a typical Mick Cronin fashion. Uh, um, Duke, I think, you know, it's like one of those things you got to wait to see how they match just like Kentucky. Yeah. Um, right now. Yeah. It's just, you know, uh, I would say Gonzaga is probably the betting favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm okay with backing that. Maybe in another month around Christmas time, we're yeah. gonna address it and see where everyone kind of stands at that point. Um, I think you know between the Michigan, like Michigan losing and the NC yeah. all going and losing to Ohio State, who has yeah. some bad losses themselves, and um, you know then you got teams like Arizona who weren't even ranked that are in there now, and like all this stuff. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of fluctuating. You know we don't even know who the best conference is, conference is right now. Um, Baylor, I've seen them play twice. They've looked just as strong. Baylor is just as strong. I could see them giving a lot of people fits. Now that Scott Drew's over that hump, finally got to a Final Four, finally got to a championship and won, that, you know, maybe this is, becomes one of those things like, like Jay Wright where he's just like, I'm just going to keep pumping him out. Mm-hmm. 
Nova is supposed to have uh, a bounce back year. Apparently, it looks like the Big East is going to be very tough. Mm-hmm. The ACC is always the ACC, right? Um, unfortunately for us, UNC looks down. Yeah. Um, I will say, which uh, you kind of got to expect with Roy Williams retiring, right? But they still, the talent's still there. I think it's yeah. going to take a little bit for Herbert uh, to get his or Hubert to get his system in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also there's some other things like Notre Dame, like Mike Bray. They haven't been in the tournament since 2018. It's, it's been just, that long. It's uh, you know, it's been a lot of bad luck. It's yeah, been, just some dumb luck injuries and shit. No, 2017. My my correction, 2017. Oh. Um, so, uh, it's, I'm hoping this is the year they can put it together. They got um, Paul uh, Atkinson, I think is it? he was the guy who was like the Ivy League Player of the Year at Yale. The transfer there. Um, they have a bunch of you know they got the talent that's coming in. They got guys who have been Notre there Dame the is currently tied with St. Mary's. Okay. Yeah, so that, this is what I'm saying. Like, the I the the hope was that this would be the year, but Mike Bray might just be losing his magic. Unfortunately, um, they did get a couple big recruits for next year, which is so, nice. But so uh, one team that I'm trying to keep an eye on is Villanova. If I had to put a money just put money down just for pure championship experience, Jay Wright's at the top of the list. Oh, absolutely. And if I did, and it's if, an experienced team with with. Uh, with Gillespie, with Gillespie and coming back, Earl and Robinson Ian, still yeah, there. They got, and they still got uh, um, Eric Eric uh, Dixon. Dixon, Dixon, yeah, uh, Glenside, the kid out of Abington. Glen, yeah, Glenside, and, you know, yeah. Abington, Stabbington. Yeah, wherever he went. I guess he's uh, probably from like Willow Grove area, but probably. Um, but that Villanova would be my clear cut uh, championship contender. Um, if I had to pick one at the moment, and we'll do all these reevaluations. Yeah, it'll be you know because it's it's gonna change. Another team, obviously, is always they're always on my lot to do watch list, but it's Jerry Stackhouse's third year in Vandy in yeah. Nashville. Um, unfortunately, they lost their second best player, but they got Scotty Pippen Jr. back. He's got a little bit more talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a couple. He he got another couple more recruits for next season. Yeah, that he's brought in. I've watched a couple of their games. It looks solid. They're three and one at the moment. Um, so the hope in Nashville is that let's see, even if it's like an NIT, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, they just need something they to need get them something going. To get going. You know, it's, it's been a while since they've been relevant and people were like, well, what is our, like Vandy basketball was one of the few sports at Vanderbilt to get outside of baseball, which is yeah. the crowning tool of college baseball in Vanderbilt. Um, is that you know that they they used to have really good teams under Kevin Stallings and they were one Jeff Green walk away from an Elite Eight in 2007. <laughs> it's a, this is a point of contention between the host and I. Uh, and every, guess what, bitch? Georgetown won. That's all that matters. And, uh, every Georgetown and Vandy fan. And Van, to 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 the credit, Vandy did blow a 12 point lead at one point, so exactly. it is kind of their fault. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Stackhouse, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of eyes on him. He didn't necessarily have the greatest second year with how he handled the media and that's becoming kind of a thing here. And so, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how, how that takes place. Um, and then also it is coach K's last year. Yeah. So let's see, like, I want, I'm, I'm interested to see how that all shakes out. Um, and whether or not, you know, Kentucky can get back to being like the team that's talked about every week, um, or they're just going to continue to sit in the middle of the pack. 
Um, and whether this really means UCLA is back. And also, I think Villanova has kind of been down since they won in 18. So, you know, do they, do they, you know, this is the year, like you said. Yeah. Um, Houston, can they keep it going? Arkansas. Can, can Arkansas keep going? A lot of SEC, SEC yeah, teams. You know, does Seton Hall build off of that win, or was that just a blip? Um, Going to be a lot of questions right, to answer. A lot of questions. The Big East in general. Yeah. The, do all of them build off of those wins, or is it meh? Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, Illinois can can is Underwood going to keep them together and keep them going? So it, it's it's very young. Yeah, it's so far it's a open. it's a fun it, first week. It's yeah, a fun first week. There's a lot. There's a lot of. There's not like some some seasons in the past. There isn't a lot of certainty. Yeah. Um, and that'll do it for us. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all of those things, and we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>